I'm Larissa, and I want to help you find the best strategy for communicating the magic and wonder of your jewelry brand so you can thrive by doing what you love and filling the world with beauty and creativity. Welcome to the Joy Joya Jewelry Marketing Podcast. Hi. I'm your host, Larissa Worstiak. On this podcast, I explore topics in digital marketing for jewelry designers and retailers, including branding, content, email, events, social media, and more. This is episode 74, and today I'm going to be doing part one of a three-part series where I'm answering questions that jewelry entrepreneurs send me about marketing and conducting business in the time of coronavirus. Over the course of the next three episodes, I'll be answering three questions at a time, unless I get more questions. If you'd still like to submit a question, you can always email me larissa, L-A-R-Y-S-S-A, at joyjoya.com, and I'll do my best to answer it. I have a few exciting announcements to share with you. First, if you're listening to this episode before April 8th, then you'll definitely want to mark your calendar for Wednesday, April 8th at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern time for a special Instagram Live I'll be doing with jewelry photographer Alan Simic, who was actually a guest on episode 29 of this podcast, if you want to go back and listen to that. We'll be having a conversation about the topic, keeping your jewelry business visible during the COVID-19 crisis. To watch, simply visit Metal and Smith's Instagram page. That's Metal and Smith, all one word, A-N-D spelled out. And a special thank you to Metal and Smith for hosting us for this important conversation. Second, I actually just started a private Facebook group, which I've been wanting to do for a while and figured now was a really great time to launch it. It's called the Joy Joya Jewelry Marketing Community. And in this group, jewelry entrepreneurs just like you will be sharing their marketing wins and helping each other brainstorm solutions to marketing challenges. I'll be moderating the conversation and also offering my own advice and insights. The group is free to join and all you have to do to get in is simply visit facebook.com slash groups slash jewelry marketing community to request access. Again, that's facebook.com slash groups slash jewelry marketing community. And I look forward to seeing you there. And finally, to better support you, I'm I've mentioned this before, but I will want to say it again. I'm temporarily shifting my three free 30-minute consultations to strategy calls because I want to be a resource and supportive partner for you during this time. I'm also spending way too many hours cooped up in my home office. You can't see. I may look okay from the waist up, but I'm wearing yoga pants, and this is the first time this week I put makeup on, so I'm definitely in need of some more human interaction. For the foreseeable future, you can book a call with me by visiting joyjoya.com and using the appointment scheduler on the bottom right corner of my homepage. And during that call, I'll give you actionable tips and advice that you can use for free without obligation. Before we get started with the topic of the day, I wanted to share some marketing related news and research from the past week that caught my attention. First, maybe this is a little bit dramatic, but I do have a point. Former reality TV star Kristen Cavallari is getting criticized for promoting her jewelry brand Uncommon James uh, for 
heavily advertising during the height of the coronavirus announcements. She was called tone deaf for complaining about the Instagram algorithm and how it's not allowing her to reach as many customers as possible. So this story is mostly just a lot of drama and I actually saw it on PerezHilton.com, which is a celebrity gossip site. But the point I'm trying to make is that You need to be super sensitive to your customers' needs at this time. You may feel like you should be doing more to increase sales, but now's not the time for a hard sales pitch or any other messaging that can potentially come across as aggressive. Privy, a company that makes email marketing solutions for Shopify stores, recently published a blog post titled, Double Down, Why Now Is The Time To Focus On Your Existing Customers. They write, The best advice I can give you is to be really thoughtful, considerate, and show lots of empathy for your customers. Ask yourself, what does our community need right now? And what are we uniquely positioned to provide? This is an awesome time, an awesome question that you should be asking every day. When was the last time you offered something that you're uniquely positioned to provide? And how are you supporting your community? eMarketer recently released some amazing statistics about the state of direct-to-consumer e-commerce. In 2019, D2C e-commerce sales reached $14.28 billion in the US. In 2020, they actually forecast that sales will grow by 24.3% to $17.75 billion. That's kind of crazy. I mean, The economy is super uncertain right now, but people are at home shopping online. However, that doesn't mean that D2C brands won't experience their share of hardships. Even though more consumers are definitely buying online, they'll also be focusing most of their attention on must-have products as opposed to the nice-to-have products. In addition, supply chain disruptions may prevent D2C brands from fulfilling orders promptly. Only time will tell what the future holds for D2C e-commerce brands this year. If you want to get the links to the articles I shared in this segment of the podcast, you can sign up for my email newsletter by visiting joyjoya.com slash sign up, and you'll get a digest with the links whenever a new episode drops. Okay, let's get to answering some questions. So the first question I got, and it's a really important one, in regard to how it affects the jewelry industry, how do you think this economic downturn will compare to the financial crisis of 2008? So let me preface my answer by saying I'm not an economist. Um, I'm mostly just going to answer from my own research, my own observations, and my own experience. So keep that in mind. I want to reflect back a moment on what was happening in 2008-2009 so we can get a better perspective of how this compares. I found a February 2009 article from JCK titled Recession Impacts Jewelry Business and they said, quote, the deepening U.S. recession has affected more than half of the businesses in the North American jewelry industry end quote, and nine out of 10 respondents to a JCK survey, quote, expect the crisis to have some or great effect on U.S. retail jewelers in the next two years, end quote. If you owned a jewelry business during that time, you probably experienced the effects firsthand. So how will this year compare to 2008? Well, again, as I mentioned, I'm definitely no economist, but I've done some research and have my own thoughts about it. Even though 2008 was more than a decade ago, the people who lived through that economic crisis 
still definitely remember it well. The anxieties they're feeling now about our shaky economy mimic the same anxiety they felt then when the United States experienced a systemic financial financial crisis. However, I did find a recent article from the World Economic Forum that says we actually shouldn't be comparing the coronavirus crisis to 2008. A shock to the financial system that comes as a surprise, like the one we're experiencing now, isn't necessarily as damaging long-term as one that gathers momentum while financial conditions worsen and banks fail, like they did more than a decade ago. So there are definitely some really distinct differences between the two situations. All that being said, the future is still really uncertain, especially since public health experts don't exactly know how this virus will continue to affect us. According to another article I found from the World Economic Forum, quote, if the public health response, including social distancing and lockdown measures, is initially successful but fails to prevent a resurgence in the virus, the world will experience a muted economic recovery, end quote. And they expect that it would that the economy would recover by Q3 in 2022. Again, that's given this specific situation that they're describing. However, in that same article, there was data from McKinsey that shows the apparel, fashion, and luxury industries will experience a global restart by late Q2, Q3 2020 that's still this year, just in a few months, and that online growth definitely still exists. So all is not bleak, you guys. That's all I got for you. I, again, am not an economist, but I you know, believe in this data and I hope that answers your question. The next question that I got, should I be starting a new jewelry business or launching new products or collections at this time? That's a really great question and I have a few different thoughts about this. So now is probably not the best time to start a new jewelry business since carving out a space in the marketplace when you're starting can involve a lot of aggressive sales and marketing tactics that definitely are not appropriate right now. However, I don't wanna be a negative Nancy about it because I know that if you're raring to go and you really wanna start something, it's hard to sit on your hands and wait for things to get better. So I do think there are things that you can do. And I think up and coming jewelry brands can absolutely still make a lot of progress during this time. In fact, I think that these new entrepreneurs or people who want to launch a business can really learn a lot from the beauty brand Glossier. Okay, hear me out. So in 2010, Emily Weiss launched Into the Gloss, which is a blog that features interviews with women about their beauty and self-care regimens. By 2012, her site was attracting more than 200,000 unique visitors per month. In 2014, Weiss decided to pivot from blogger extraordinaire to beauty entrepreneur. She launched her own beauty company, Glossier, which was very recently valued at $1.2 billion. Okay, so what the heck does that have to do with launching a new jewelry business? Well, there are a lot of parallels. First of all, even though Emily never started with the intention of growing this billion dollar um, beauty brand. She started blogging around the time right after the financial crisis in 2010. The economy was still pretty devastated by that point. So 
she started with the intent of just creating content, with creating community. She was sharing her passion and her voice and building a true brand around that. So when the time came in 2014, the economy is starting to rebound, she decided to launch Glossier and already had this huge audience of people just waiting so hungry to buy into that lifestyle because they were already so on board with it. So instead of launching your products right now, you can try focusing exclusively on content like Emily did. Build your brand around your unique content and start amassing a loyal following. Then once you are finally ready to launch your products in a more favorable socioeconomic climate, you'll already have gained a massive group of primed customers who will also want to buy into your lifestyle the same way that Into the Gloss readers wanted to buy into the Glossier lifestyle. Just some thoughts there. If you're already an established jewelry brand, then you'll need to kind of decide on a case-by-case basis whether now's the right time to launch new products or collections. This week, I saw Jennifer Mayer launch a new gold link jewelry collection while Anna Khoury is supporting Doctors Without Borders by donating 100% of proceeds from the sale of a new special edition ring that she just launched. So there are people definitely releasing products under different circumstances. However, on the other hand, Tiffany and company has postponed the retail rollout of their new T1 collection, which quote, the company hoped would drive its business forward into the second half of the year, end quote, according to Women's Wear Daily. Before you do launch, you'll wanna ask yourself three important questions. One, does this feel appropriate? Two, how will launching now as opposed to later affect my bottom line? And three, can I market this in a way that speaks to the times? And the last question I got that I'm going to be answering on today's episode, I got this one on Instagram. If my gold, silver, or gemstone supplier is closed, how can I source alternatives? What if I run out of supplies? That's a really good question and I can definitely understand how that would cause anxiety. Not having access to supplies can be devastating for a jewelry brand, especially if you're actively selling products at this time and plan to continue fulfilling orders. Unless you can find alternatives for your raw materials, you obviously won't be able to move forward. But this might help. I was browsing the Women's Jewelry Association forum the other day, and I noticed a recent post by a company called Gem Atlas. And they're a platform that connects businesses within the diamond, gem, and jewelry industry. They posted that they're currently offering a free one-month premium pack to help jewelry business owners with business continuity. I haven't personally used Gem Atlas, so I can't vouch for it, but their website says that the platform will allow you to find suppliers for all your requirements and connect you with the supply chain from miners to retailers. Since it's currently free, it might be worth a shot. In addition, now may also be a great time to consider diversifying your business model. So I was recently thinking about Broken English, a jewelry retailer with boutiques in Santa Monica, New York City, and Newport Beach. They're known for selling on-trend designer fine jewelry, but they also recently launched the Be Home Collection, which is quote, designed to inspire your living space with clean, modern designs that are crafted to be chic and functional, end quote, according to their website. 
can you potentially sell something that's not jewelry, but that still relates to your jewelry brand? If you don't wanna sell objects, then you can sell your expert expertise, create a course about styling jewelry or something similar. We all have unique talents and skills that we can monetize and they don't necessarily require you to depend on suppliers. I'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback on this episode. Again, if you have a question you'd like to submit for the next two episodes, email me, Larissa, L-A-R-Y-S-S-A at joyjoya.com. As a reminder, I'm temporarily shifting my three 30-minute consultations to strategy calls because I wanna be a resource and supportive partner for you during this time. For the foreseeable future, you can book a call with me by visiting joyjoya.com and using the appointment scheduler in the bottom right corner of the homepage. And during that call, I'll give you actionable tips and advice that you can use for free without obligation. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. For more information about marketing services for your jewelry brand, visit joyjoya.com where you can download our free ebook, Proven Conversion Strategies for E-Commerce Jewelry Retailers.